But I just received such a real awareness of him this morning in worship. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to take some time and I want to share some things and then after that we'll take the offering and we'll do the announcements at the close. Because I still, I still feel his presence here. And the sermon that I want to share with you, the, the talk that I want to have today is out of John 10.10. 10. If you want to turn to John 10. And what I want to do is I want to imagine, if you can with me, that Jesus is here and the words that we read are the words that he's saying directly to you. It may be my voice, but I believe that Jesus is here and he's got some words that he wants to say directly to you. And so in our worship, as we were just sitting there, I, I just, I saw him sitting here. And I put myself in that conversation with him and I saw him sitting down. Matthew, Matthew your hands are full. Kieran, can you grab me a chair? Just, yeah, that one there. And as we were worshiping, the picture that I received, just put it right up here, was as if he was just sitting here with us in the temple, worshiping. And he's just sitting here, and all of a sudden he starts to talk to them. And the voice that he spoke was the voice of the Almighty God. And the words that he had to share were words of life. So I'd like to just take a few minutes, and if you've got John 10, we went through it last week, but I want to go through it again, and I'm just going to start reading from verse 1. And if you can imagine, I, in, the, in the frailty of our thinking, but if you can imagine Jesus sitting there, and you're around him. You have an audience with Jesus that is not beyond the realm of possibility because he walked this earth 2,000 years ago. His name is God with us. And as he walked into that temple and as he spent time with them and he sat down and he started to talk and he says, I, I say to you, he who does not enter into the, the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought them all out his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they don't know the voice of the strangers. And this is the, what Jesus is talking to them, just like a setting like this. In fact, the way I picture it 
and this is just the way I picture it, is they're huddled closer. I just picture it like a Sunday school classroom where the teacher's sitting there and all the students and everybody's just sitting around. Can you imagine hearing the voice of God speaking? Because that's what this is. And he's saying things to them. And they didn't even understand what he was saying. And some of you here this morning, God is saying something to you. And, and you're going, you're, you're not 100% sure, but you feel something inside of you. And, and I believe in worship this morning, God was touching us. God was speaking to us. God was revealing himself to us. And I believe what he was revealing, as, as Pastor Louise was saying, how he just walks among us. He is so close that he's right beside you. Sometimes we picture him way up in heaven and we lose the personal connection with our Savior. So as he was saying this, they didn't understand him, so he, he has to say it again and in verse 7, he continues and he says, truly, truly, I say to you, this is the words of Jesus. Not just a man, but Jesus, the son of God. The words of life. And he says, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. Think about that. If you enter by Jesus, you will be saved and you'll go in and out and find pasture. Pasture being a picture of, of feeding, of strength, of support, of nourishment. What is it that you need today? He's here. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I love this because he doesn't even say but. And I checked 25 different versions and only one of them used the word but. All of them otherwise said, I have come. And I find that amazing because quite often the, you, the word but compares something that's equal or of equal value or of equal standing. And Jesus is saying the thief comes to still kill and destroy. I have come to give you life. And then he doesn't just say that. He says, but that you might have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. Can you imagine him sitting just like this and just talking to these people, having a conversation with people and just saying, I'm the good shepherd. And he wasn't comparing himself to say to others. He was saying, I am the exclusive one. He wasn't saying, I'm just one of many. He says, I am the good shepherd. 
this morning, there's some of you here that need to hear that he is your shepherd. He is the good shepherd, and he's your shepherd. And as he's sitting there, he's talking... I saw that this morning. It, it was so real. That's why I came up right after worship because I, I just felt impressed in my spirit. I didn't want to lose what I felt God was doing and saying. And this morning, he's here with us. And these words, if you can hear them, don't hear my voice, but hear his voice. And he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. He whose hired hand is not a shepherd, and he doesn't own the sheep. The sees the wolf coming, and he leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And then he says again, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. And then he explains that, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. He laid down his life. He laid down his life. I cannot imagine the emotion. I know the stress and the emotion I feel when I have to do something that I don't want to do, but I know I have to do it. As I lay down my life that I may take it up again, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. And this charge I've received from the Father. And he's talking to them just in this setting. What I do find amazing about these conversations with Jesus and sitting and listening and reading these passages is so many people heard him, but so many people didn't know him. In fact, Judas had to tell them, the one that I'm going to kiss is the one that you've got to get. I mean, they didn't even know him visually. And this morning, I... The, the passage that I want to look at, last week I preached on that passage, but I left one section out on purpose, and that was the passage in 10, verse 10, where he says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I want to just take a few minutes this morning, but I'd like you to walk with me through this and I'd like you to hear because I believe the spirit is touching people right now and the spirit is touching you and what he he wants you 
to have life. But the life he wants for you is abundant life. A few things I want you to see when you read verse 10. It says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And when you look at that, what, what I found out, and it, it jumped in front of me, but the thief takes what does not belong to him. Think about that for a minute. The thief takes what does not belong to him. There's some of you who've had dreams that have been squashed, stolen, killed, destroyed. The thief takes what does not belong to him. Those did not belong to him. Those belong to you because the person who gave them to you was Jesus. What have you lost? What have you lost? I'm here to tell you the thief takes what does not belong to him. He does not take what belongs to him. He takes what does not belong to him. In other words, there's things that belong to you that Jesus gave you, imparted into you, gave you by vision, by dream, by experience, by reality. And for some reason, somehow, we've either lost them, we've been hurt, They've been destroyed. They've been annihilated. I'm here to tell you that Jesus wants you to experience them again. He wants you to experience them again because the thief takes what doesn't belong to him. He had no right to take those things from you. Amen? And Jesus is sitting there and amongst the, the scenery and the landscape of the temple and in the place, he's talking to them and he's just giving these words and these words are words of life. These words are words of truth. And he's having a conversation with them. And this morning, I believe God wants to have a conversation with each one of us to reiterate that the things that have been taken from you, they were taken unlawfully. And he is saying, that's not the way I operate. And quite often, we actually blame God for things that the enemy did. Well, God took that away. No, God, God wants you to live a life to the fullest. Now, I know he prunes, and I know he peels back, but he does that so that you'll get more fruit. He doesn't do it 
so that you'll have no fruit. So the first thing I want you to see is that the thief takes what does not belong to him. I don't want to spend any more time talking about the enemy than I need to because my God defeated him like 2,000 years ago and if you read the scriptures I believe it was even before that because he was slain from the foundation of the world. He's always been victorious. So I don't want to spend any time unnecessarily but I do, I think reality sometimes we we need to, there is an enemy. There is an enemy. But he has been defeated. He was defeated once and for all. That is an effective savior. In today's world, there is nothing that happens once. You look at your phone. How many renditions of your iPhone are you on? iPhone 6, 7, 8. How many updates? Jesus did it once. He doesn't have Jesus 2.0. He has Jesus 1.0, good enough forever, sufficient for all, and it will be forever lasting. And so the words that he spoke here in John 10 as he was sitting around them are just as effective today as they were the moment he spoke them. The thief takes what he does not belong, what does not belong to him. Some of the things he's robbed you of? Joy. We should be the happiest people on earth. When people see me, they should get a picture of Christ. Literally. And the last time I checked, it says in Hebrews that he had joy above his fellows. I mean, he must have had so much fun they couldn't keep up with him. Some of us have lost our peace. Jesus does not rob you of your peace. In fact, he's the prince of peace. So if you've lost your peace, that's the enemy. That's the thief. Some of us have lost happiness. I think joy and happiness are different. Happiness has a lot to do with happenings. And you know what? It's okay to be happy. Sometimes we think, well, no, I don't base my life on the happenings of life. You know what? Happenings happen in life, and I'm going to have a happy attitude about them. Sometimes we've taken the word emotion and almost said we should have no emotion as believers. Hello? My soul is my mind, my will, and my emotions. I believe we need to learn how to tap into our emotion the way that Jesus wants our emotion. And I believe our emotion can give us motion. I don't live based off of my emotions, but I sure have a lot of emotions, and some of them I really enjoy. Some of them, not so much. 
For some of you, he's robbed you of your health. The enemy has robbed you. And you've lost the joy of living. And quite often when we lose the joy of living and the happiness of life, all of a sudden physical things happen to us. We need to learn to say no and to see what Jesus said. You might have lost your rest, your relationship. But Jesus does not leave it there. Thank God. He doesn't see, leave it there, but he says, he continues on, and he says, this is what the thief does. And then he says, I have come. And like I said earlier, quite often when we use the word but, it's like this phrase, but this. Jesus said, this is what the thief has done. I've done this. It's like it's not even on the same level. Do you know Satan was a created being? We've grown up with good versus evil, cartoons, DC comics, the Avengers, Marvel. And what they do is they place this scenario in front of you, good versus evil. And we've grown up with this humanitarian or this human thinking that says good and evil are somehow equal parts and one day good seems to get a better and another day evil does. No, good and evil are not equal. Good is overall. Jesus is overall. He is not equal. He is above equal. And so he says, I have come. I have come to give you life. That statement alone is profound. Because what he's done is he's just right away in one statement dealt with everything that the enemy did. He doesn't have 16, he just says one thing, I have come that you might have life. The life that Jesus has to offer you is a powerful life. The life that you experience, you could put that next one up, Cora. The life that you experienced is distinguished by the one who gives it. The life that you experience is distinguished by the one who gives it. He says, I have come to give you life. This challenges me because am I living the life that he gave me? I'll let that one drop and sink for a little while. The very essence of your life is from Jesus. Anything that you do in life outside of Jesus, you will not see fulfillment the way that Jesus designed it to be fulfilled. Anything. 
If you live your financial life outside of what God's word says, you will not see the success that God wants you to have in your finances. You say, yeah, I'll have success. No, you'll have limited success. You might have some things, but you're not going to experience what God really wants you to experience. You can't have it both ways. Have, have you ever heard that expression? Every one of us being a child, we've heard that expression. My parents wore it out on us. I've worn it out on my kids. But Jesus here is d- distinguishing, and he's not saying it's, it's both and. He's saying, no, it's this or that. He says, and my way is that I've given you life. Your standard of living was determined over 2,000 years ago. The standard that you can live by was determined 2,000 years ago plus. He then continues and says, I've come to give you life. And then in true fashion that I have found in these conversations with Jesus, he kicks it up a notch. He, he just shows how your life is designed to be so much better than you even think. He says, not only did I come to give you life, but that more abundantly. Some passages says to the full. But if you actually look at that word abundantly, it means, sur- oh boy, I knew this was going to happen to me. Superfluous. Super- superfluous. 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 Thank God that I can write because I can't read. But your life is meant to be, on- to be beyond normal not weird although people might think it's weird because you are beyond normal but the life that Jesus has designed for you and me is a life that is a life that will excel a life that's superfluous oh lord sometimes I wish you just make words like really big like the life he wants for you is really big (laughs) your life is meant to be beyond normal that's a word that we use quite a bit these days there's even commercials one of the commercials is live your life normal whatever your normal is and I understand that normality We are all unique and we are all peculiar and we all have individual dynamics in our lives. So we have this term normal, but everybody's normal is different than somebody else's normal. But I'm here to tell you the normal that I'm expecting is out of here. And that's a life abundant. That's not a life barely getting by. Jesus is sitting there in front of them and he says to them, just like I'm talking to you right now. And he says, I've come to give you life and to give it to you crazy. 
to give it to you beyond normal. In another passage, Paul writes, and he says, God can do above and beyond what you ask or think. I would suggest to you the life that Jesus has for you being beyond normal is beyond what you could even ask or think. So just for one second here, or maybe two, think, what would a life be that you would look at and go, that's amazing? Literally, take a moment and literally think, what would that be if I could have a life right now with Jesus, what would that look like? I hope some of you were pretty extreme. I hope some of you didn't just say, well, the life I've got is good enough. I hope some of you said, the life he has for me is going to be amazing. I've got dreams in my heart that I see one of my dreams, and Pastor Winona, I've talked about this much, I would like to have money in my pocket that I would just go to somebody's house and play knocky-knocky-nine-door and leave an envelope on their front porch and then run away and then stand behind the bushes and look as they catch it. I don't want you to know that I've given you money. I'll be honest with you. I, don't want, I just want to watch you enjoy it. You want your address? I know your address. I know where you sleep. But that's the life that Jesus wants. My dream is to pay off people's debts. I see people working for the man. I want to pay them from the Savior. And so that's one of my dreams. And he says, I'll do above and beyond what you ask or think. So I'm thinking, this is going to be fun. Can you imagine somebody getting a check for 25 grand to pay off a loan? Here's enough. Can you imagine somebody getting a check for 25 grand just for the fun of it? Because actually, when you read this word, he wants to give you life more abundantly. One of the words means unnecessarily. It's like, that's not necessary. I know. Did you see what God has blessed them with? He has so much. It's like unnecessary. He doesn't really need all that. No, he doesn't. But he serves a God who gives it to him. And I'm not just talking finances, although I like that. I'm talking about joy. That person, every time I see them, is smiling. It is so unnecessary. 
You know, I am slaving away, and I'm hurt, and I'm under stress, and I'm under tension, and they just waltz in here as if there's no care in the world. Well, there is no care in the world. He's got them. He's my good shepherd. You'll get what you believe. Because I know there's some people that don't believe it, and you know what? (laughs) I know they don't believe it. Abraham. How many years did it take for him to see his son Isaac born? Something like 25 years. From when he got the first promise to when he saw it fulfilled. And by the way, that 25-year span is the same as a 25-year span today. He, he wasn't one that lived 488 years or 629 years. He, he lived just over 100 years. In the 120, somewhere in that range. Can you imagine walking around for 25 years with your name changed and every time you introduce yourself or you have one of those sticker, hi, my name is Abraham. My name is father of many nations. Well, how many kids you got? None. So why are you saying that? Because God said it. And I believe it. So I'm going to tell you what I believe in God for. And you say, is it happening? Yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. You say, well, what gives you the gall to say that? He does. Because when he gives you a dream, he says, dream bigger than what you'd ask or think. He says, and I'm able to do that. You say, well, that was Abraham. How about Noah? Build me a boat. Because it's going to rain. It's going to what? They never had one day of rain So he was doing something that nobody had heard of. I mean, you build a boat here, everybody knows it's going to (laughs) rain. But the ground watered the ground. So Noah, for a hundred years, I mean, he is making a spectacle of himself. For over a hundred years. Every time, God told me to build an ark. Get your lives together. Because it's going to rain. I mean, he probably had prescriptions coming out of everywhere. Let me get my doctor to talk to you. The life that Jesus has for you is not just a life. It's abundant. It is unnecessary. It is crazy. It's above and beyond. And... I think sometimes we need to start walking like that. And people say, David, what? I am expecting to pay off people's debts. I'm expecting it. Not just my kids to bless, but all my kids, all the spiritual kids, all those in the family of God. I want to bless, I want to bless people outside the family of God. Can you imagine how crazy that would be? So if you get a letter without a return address and some money in it, it's not for me yet. (laughs) But you can do the Holy Ghost dance anyways. 
But Jesus is sitting there. I don't think they understood the enormity of the words that he was saying. He says, I've come to give you life. He says, not only that, but the life I've come to give you is abundant. It overflows. It is so crazy, people are going to look at you and say, it's unnecessary. I like to live there. And according to John 10.10, that's the life he has for you and me. And this morning, we were worshiping and we were honoring Jesus and we were honoring our Father and, and worshiping and singing praise and, and honoring Holy Spirit and we were giving God praise and glory. And I just saw him as clear a picture as I can of him just loving it and saying, I just want to sit down and I just want to talk to you. And he just simply was saying, I've come to give you life. I've come to give you life that's abundant. I've come to give you life that's overflowing. Anybody need something overflowing in their life? <laughs> You're a candidate. I would suggest to you what you do is you grab these words and you say, you said it. You said it. You said it. You said it. I, I worked in contract. I worked in construction for a number of years. And one of the first, I was a project manager. And one of the first things I did when I got a project was I took the contract and I read what was included and excluded in the contract. And everything that was included, the contractor expected us to do. And he had every right to expect that. In fact, he'd call saying, where is it? I'm not sure that we understand. And, and, and by the way, a covenant is much better than a contract. Because the covenant that we have with Jesus, it's a covenant that he says, here it is. He didn't sit down and negotiate it with us. He says, I've got life for you. And if you read a lot of these conversations, many times he says, just believe. <laughs> he doesn't say work it all out. You got to start just by believing. And he's talking to them and he says, what is it that you need? He says, I've, I've got life. In fact, the life I have for you as your good shepherd is a life that's crazy. People are going to get upset with how good your life is. Because that's the life that I have for you. It's abundant. It's superfluous. It's overflowing. It's unnecessary. I, I just love that. Because I've walked around sometimes and go, yesterday I saw a picture of a guy with a Lamborghini, a friend of ours posted it on Facebook, in a glass garage. That's unnecessary. 
mean, it's one thing to have it. It's another thing to put it in a glass garage so every time somebody walks by, they see it. Now, I'm not saying you ask God for a Lamborghini, but go ahead. But there are some things in your life that God wants to bless you with so crazy that people are going to walk by and take pictures of it and post it on Facebook and say, is this necessary? Yes. Because it's the king of kings. And I don't get blessed. Just bless myself. I get blessed so that I can bless others. If you think it's all about you getting the blessing, you're going to miss out. You're going to get fat, you're going to get overweight, and you're not going to be able to run fast. (laughs) But when God blesses you, he blesses you, and his blessing carries with it an overflowing, and that overflowing is for other people. When they collected the food that he had five, I just can't believe it, and he didn't do it just once, but when he fed the 5,000, with five loaves of bread and two fish. And I don't think they were 25-pound salmon. They had 12 baskets left over. Why? Because he's a God of abundance. He's a God of excess, but he's not a God of waste. And then not only did he do it to the 5,000, but he does it again. And what's really amazing is when he does it again, the disciples still didn't get it. And he feeds 4,000 with like seven loaves and a few fish, and he gets seven baskets left over. I'd like to be in that equation. That's a life abundant. And this morning, I believe God wants to touch you. I believe Jesus wants to tell you that the life he has for you, quit living your life to the lowest common denominator. Start living it to the highest operator. Everything has to come down. Well, I can't do that because this doesn't work. And this thing now determines my ceiling. No, this does not determine your ceiling. That just happens to be an equation. He determines your ceiling. Quit living to what other people say. You can't have that. No, I'm not. You're telling me I can't have rest. You're telling me I can't sleep through the night. You're telling me that I can't have peace. You're telling me I can't have joy. Why? Because you can't know. He says my life is going to be a life of abundance. Because he gave me a life abundant. The sheer definition says that he gave a life abundant. I'm trying... I'm trying to give you a picture of what Jesus wants for you. Because he said it. The last thing, actually one other word, and I had to look this word up because I've heard my wife use it because she reads lots of books. So she uses words against me and it's like, He wants you to have a copious life. 
I had to look that one up. That just means a lot. <laughs> a person who writes copious notes doesn't write nice notes and clean notes. They write lots of notes. He wants you to have a copious life. Anybody here a candidate? If you're a candidate, just stand up right now. We're not 100% finished. But if you're a candidate for a life that's more, and, and, and just literally just say, Jesus, I want to experience you more. Just, just keep it simple. Just say, Jesus, I want to experience you more. Or I want to experience your life abundant. Lord, I want to experience life above normal, beyond normal, ridiculously fun, unnecessarily unnecessary, above and beyond. I speak to people right now, just if you could just stay standing, and if you want to receive, I encourage you just to lift your hands up. Because I believe God's just dropping it right now. He knows. He knows the ache in your heart. He knows how your pillow is wet with tears. And he says, I died for that. And the life that I have isn't just life, but it's life abundant. Just release it, Lord. Give us a faith expectation and a faith talk that will speak your words, that will believe your words, that will start to proclaim your words, that will change our name to declare your words, Lord, that we will see the righteousness, the goodness, the blessing, the peace, the rest of the kingdom of God in our life. A life that will cause other people to look and say, that's unnecessary, but I kind of like it. Because it's not about me getting it's about me giving thank you Jesus you may be seated the last thing I want you to, to see here and then we'll have an offering and the announcements is the abundant copious over the top superfluous beyond normal life is found in Jesus. It's found in Jesus. It's not found in solid rock. It's found in Jesus. It's not found in your career. It's found in Jesus. It's not found in how beautiful your home may be. It's found in Jesus. 
It's not found in the speed that you can go in your vehicle. It's found in Jesus. It's not found in whatever adrenaline rush you can get. The abundant life is found in Jesus. And my desire for you is not just to know about Jesus. My desire is not for you just to know of Jesus. My desire is for you to know Jesus. Because when you know Jesus, you then start to experience his life. Don't let your familiarity with Jesus become a stumbling block. Well, I know him. I know of him. I know how to spell his name. I know the songs. I know the dance of this. I know the moves. I, I know the rhetoric. I know the speak, the Christian ease. I understand. No, you don't. If I come here babbling, but I'm babbling about Jesus, that's better than anything I could say with high Hartford and Stanford English. And I don't care if I cry on the stage. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know Jesus. Because when you know him, when you know him, start, people start saying it's unnecessary. He's flaunting it. No, he just knows Jesus. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. Pastor Daniel.